0: Hello, friends and enemies. My name is Nick Ercolano. I run BDGE, which is a sports media company, but here on Big Content, this channel, we talk all about the creator economy and more specifically trying to help any creators from thinking about starting a YouTube channel all the way to an established creator looking to monetize the audience that they have built out. Today's video will be a pure Q&A, raw, unfiltered, Straight from the discord, which is, of course, free to join linked down below. Drop your questions in the Q&A channel, and hopefully I will get around to yapping about them. First question comes from Cody Smash. He says, going back in hindsight, how would you spend the first 10K you made as a business? So first off, if you've made 10K, that means that you are doing something right. If you've made money. You've done something right. You've given value to someone. You've built an audience, or someone is listening to you and someone is willing to pay you money in order to do whatever it is that you're doing. So, what I would do from there is I would now figure out how do I spend more time working on the thing that we did right, right? Like, you did something right in order to make money. Now, I want to enable myself to have more time to focus on that thing, or at least focus on the parts of that thing. Like, that whole thing might be an entire process. Like, we're doing this whole process. Input, process, output, 10K, right? So you wanna now figure out what parts of that process, maybe the whole thing is you, cool. Maybe you just love some parts of it, right? And you want to now outsource the other parts that you do not like. So this is something that you'll hear a million times over. This is something that almost every content creator probably goes through, is they wanna outsource shit that they do not like, which a lot of the time comes down to editing. Here's a perfect example. This fucking video. I love making content and i love making this particular type of content me sitting down here yabbing to you guys who are looking for any helpful tips or advice on content creation on monetizing and content on productizing on scaling on social media platforms whatever the case may be i love making this content it's no different than my fantasy football videos which again if you guys are new here the sports media company i run has a particular focus on fantasy football so i make a lot of individual content about that topic about that niche. When I sit down to make that content, like my my perfect day is literally me getting into my into my zone. It's like a deep flow state. I get into a flow state where I'm doing research for my videos. And I did the same with this video yesterday answering these questions. I want you to know that when you show up and you listen to me talking about it, it's not always just off the rip. Sometimes it is when me and Jack sit down and have these conversational types, but I want want y'all to know when you show up to these one-on-one type videos, I come prepared. I come with different angles. I think through the questions beforehand. So my perfect day to me is working through the content, is researching for the content, is thinking out thoroughly how I want to present the content. My perfect day is not now after doing that, editing the content. For instance, for fantasy, if one of my topics of content is like five players that you need to be targeting to trade for, in the offseason for your dynasty team. That is the topic. I thought of that. Now I need to do the research for it. So, what am I going to start doing? I'm looking at different things like what players have contracts expiring this offseason, right? Because if a player's leaving, maybe they end up in a new situation, or maybe because they left, a player that's on the depth chart currently moves up into a much better situation. I'm going to spend time looking at players who had bad years previously and trying to find context or contextual clues around why they had a bad year and look at the players who are most likely to have good years based on some fluky reason that they had a bad year this year. So those are the things I love doing. Those that That is my flow state, right? And what you wanna try to do is break down your process, how you made money, what you enjoy doing, and how do you get into your flow state and try to push a, push aside everything else. So again, for this literal video, right, while I still edit my own stuff, sometimes for big content or for my fantasy stuff, et cetera, we hired Will, who is editing this video right now so that I could spend more time researching for these questions so I could spend more time preparing for the content as well as posting it and spreading it on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on wherever it is to try to be heard a little bit more. Where I do think a lot of people go wrong is they invest into production before they invest their money into freeing up time. In 99% of cases, you are able to up your production by simply just being more resourceful. Most people have the tools or the resources around them in their immediate space, or they know a friend that has something that they can get to without having to spend, I don't wanna say any money, because sometimes you know getting a mic that's like $50 is worth it, but any sort of significant Money where people like to buy the two thousand dollar camera before they hire a contracted freelancer that will do your editing for a month for two thousand dollars, right? Like, what 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 is more important to you? Your iPhone camera is fucking fantastic. You need more light. You don't need to buy a twelve hundred dollar softbox light, right? That stuff comes in time. I've been doing this for ten years. I didn't have a softbox light in front of me until we got in this office a year and a half, two years ago. Okay, so I did it six, seven, eight years without this type of stuff. Go into your living room, go grab the lamp, go grab a fucking lamp and put it in front of you. And there you go. You'll have 70% of the way you just solved the problem by being resourceful. You could always find a way typically for production to be better by being resourceful, but a lot of people would rather buy shit because it makes them feel productive or it makes them feel like they're going to be productive when that is, in my opinion, in my experience, a very shallow false truth. And I will also offer one more alternative point that I want you guys to really think about it's okay not to spend that money especially the way I'm being asked I feel like it's coming from an individual creator standpoint now if you are really running a business you're running like a mom-and-pop shop a mortar brick and mortar whatever and you have employees underneath you and you need to spend that money in order to keep those things afloat and those people afloat different story a little bit, but I'm thinking about myself as an individual creator. When I made, I mean, I guess the question was when I made my first 10K, when I made my first 10K, I didn't have a team. I had just me. Okay. So I want to offer you this point of view that you cannot spend that money. You could simply not reinvest. You can keep it in the bank. You can keep it wherever you want. You keep it in cash in a shoebox underneath your fucking bed. If that brings you peace of mind, sometimes people like to operate from The sense of knowing that they have a bankroll of a month or six months or a year underneath their bed, and it gives them more freedom and flexibility to operate and to experiment and do things. Some people who, you know, if you get $10,000, then immediately spend it you kind of have zero dollars of savings or zero dollars behind you that could force you to make decisions that could force you to lose leverage and make decisions that are not good for you long term. I wouldn't suggest it, but if that's the way that you operate and you feel best that way, do that. There's so much tension in the world, especially in like the creator economy world about what you should do. And people have so much trouble just looking and really feeling internally about what feels right. It's like, I hate doing this. Let me get rid of it. That that should be like your first thing that you think about. Or I feel really comfortable creating when I have 10K or 20K in my bank account and I don't mind investing more time into this as opposed to spending money so that I can get time given back to me elsewhere. So let me do that. Like you really have to ask yourself, what is it that you feel best with? And of course, it's good to get different POVs from people like myself or whoever you follow that have been down the journey before to give you these alternative POVs. But at the end of the day, I just think people put like other people's routine and other people's journey on a pedestal. Realistically, you just got to look inside and say, like, what feels the best for me? Where do I feel most comfortable and go from there? And I think there's also another alternative point of view where you could say like, I'm just gonna try to hire people. I'm just gonna try to go down this way. I'm gonna spend this 10K as a learning process because I wouldn't be able to sit here and tell you about the things that I did or the things that I fucked up without having gone down that path. So it's easy for me to sit here and be like, go hire an editor. I know that because maybe I've hired Other positions first and realize that I don't actually need them. You know, like you need to fuck up in order to know the right path to go down. That being said, I just watched a really good video this morning from Jay Klaus. He hosts the creator science podcast, I believe it's called, where he brought on a guy on a team for a YouTube creator. So there's a YouTube creator as a bajillion fucking subscribers. And then there's like the right hand man of that creator. He brought that guy onto the team and he talked about hiring, hiring as a creator, scaling up who should be your first hire. I'll link that video down below. Really good resource about where you could go looking for editors if that is your first outsourcing uh, piece of hiring or, or contract, whatever it is. Really, really, really good. So to wrap this all up, if I had to go all the way back and say, in hindsight, how would you spend the first 10K you made as a business? I would have put it back into editing. It took me years to outsource editing. I didn't know how much to give an editor. I didn't know how to find an editor. I didn't know any of that stuff, but I would go back. I'd find an editor because that was the most valuable thing to me was to get more of my time back so that I can get back into that flow state. Cody, thank you for the question. Let's move to number two. Stoked asks, if you have multiple niches, you want to hit multiple things you want to create content on. In my example, I want it to be on sports. And then I also want one on anime manga, because those are two niches I know most about. How do you go about choosing or do you even choose? Do you just make separate channels for both and just post them because it makes you happy? Now, the world of uh, content creation, I feel like this has been a large topic talking point Because people have multi passions, they have multiple passions, they want to create about a lot of different things. Jack and I have talked extensively, I think, about this topic. And what's cool about this is we have a lot of experience doing multiple topics, doing multiple niches, uh, talking about multiple passions, and doing it in both a non-successful and successful way while we started the Big Content Podcast. So we have a lot of like real life experience that I think I could kind of lay out for you guys right now that has happened over the last two years since we've launched the Big Content YouTube channel. I'll start most recently with Jack and him basically getting rid of that 600,000 subscriber YouTube channel that he built up under Snapback Sports. So for those of you guys that don't have contacts behind that, they built up a YouTube channel all off YouTube shorts. So they would post clips like highlights of games, which was not branded. It didn't have their faces. No one knew who was actually posting it. But those clips would go viral. They'd get a million views. They ended up getting 600,000 subscribers on this YouTube channel. However, it didn't transfer over to any of their goals. Like that does not help convert those people to signups for their partners. It does not help them buy their product or service. It does not even help them know who the fuck is behind the snapback sports brand by posting unbranded highlights and content. So despite building up that large number, which is uh, just a surface level number, this should be like the most telling part to you guys. Uh, Despite all the work and the energy, the money, the focus that they put into that channel he felt that they built it incorrectly and now they wanted to start putting out videos that were doing it the right way long form videos where they were involved in that they were taking their time editing making really really good content for jack felt really strongly about the content they were putting on that channel but every time they put something out because it was so different from what they were doing before it got no engagement it got no play it did not do well and he felt like in his heart of hearts he was like this content is way better than the way that it's performing I think that we need to now go start a brand new channel, which is a very hard decision to make as a creator. You built up a YouTube channel with 600,000 subscribers, and now you're just going to let it go to waste. And he did that. And since he did that, which was not very long ago, about a month ago, Jack and Snapback have published six videos and two of them already have performed better than just about any other long-form video that they had posted on the previous channel. As you can see, the NFL star controls my life for 48 hours, has 11,000 views inside the Dallas Cowboys, $1.3 billion. Football stadium has 38,000 views. It's only the fifth video on the channel. So that's already ripping well and and kind of accomplishing exactly what he thought. Us in particular, BDGE, we started a new channel just for trivia on YouTube. We do a lot of NFL trivia, something we started doing only on TikTok, it became really, really popular. So we're like, hey, we're going to make this YouTube channel specifically for this, right? And we could have put it, we have this other channel, BDG Fantasy Football, which has, I think, close to 120,000 subscribers, but that is focused on fantasy football. That is focused on informational value. That is focused on teaching people and getting them better at fantasy football and analyzing players. We could have put the trivia, the NFL trivia, which has some overlap there, right? NFL, NFL on that channel, but I guarantee it would not have done as well we branched it off and made it its own channel and the click-through rate and the engagement and the watch time and everything on that specific channel is so good. It's so high, it's perfect. And I think it would have been a fucked up thing for us to do to start putting that onto the BDG fantasy channel because the people that came to that channel subscribed to learn, they subscribed for information about fantasy football and becoming better fantasy football player. They did not subscribe to be entertained, even though they might find some entertainment through that form of content. It's not the main value that we're giving off. The two pieces of content were very, very, very different types of value props. And that's where you could run into issues there. Entertainment, information, motivation. Those are like the three types of value props that you can give off. And if you're trying all these different types of value props, the audience is going to be like, I came here to learn. So teach me. If you're looking to buy a new camera and you type in on YouTube best cameras to buy in 2023 and you click on a video and it goes through the top five cameras or whatever and teaches you about them and why you should buy this one over this one. You're like, cool, that's what I was looking for. Subscribe to that channel. He's going to teach me more about the tech uh, behind cameras and what accessories I should buy kind of thing. But then the next video is like, here are the top five cinematographers of all time in the history behind those guys. The guy who makes the channel, the guy who's making the content might think in his head like, oh, there's overlap here, cameras, cameras, like there has to be people that like both of them. This is a camera niche channel. And listen, I'm not saying that you can't do that. As a creator, you could do whatever the fuck you want. You could put out whatever videos you want. But if you want to grow in today's world, especially on YouTube, the best thing to do is keep each channel its own niche. So advice for you, Stoke, like I would 1000% make different channels for each niche. If you don't feel like you have time to do both, just pick one and attack it. You're never going to know what's right. You're never going to know what's wrong until you do it. So pick one, attack it. Or if you want to simply just make content for both separate channels for a month or two months, I bet you the one that you enjoy the most or the one that you catch momentum with or the one that you feel most motivated to work on will present itself within those first month or two of creating for that. And at the end, you said like, do what makes you happy. Yes, it all always comes back to that. The problem is most people, most creators especially, cannot separate happiness with views and growth. So my thing is like, if you made one channel, you'll be happy making the videos, you will post them, and then they will start doing horrendously you might pick up steam from one video and then the next video you put out that's anime instead of sports people are going to be like what the fuck is this and then you're no longer going to have happiness because the views aren't there and the growth isn't there if you're just strictly using this as a way to express yourself then that shit shouldn't matter like youtube channel shouldn't matter views shouldn't matter but i don't think any modern day creator does not do it without a little bit of an inkling of like okay i want people to see this i want to expand so my answer is more for the people that are looking to grow their channel or grow a phone or grow an audience. And in that case, 100% different channels for those two things. Question three, a quick tactical one, uh, Stenson Bennett's grandchild. What is a good beginner editing software? Uh, the, The one that I still use to this day and have used since I started was iMovie on Apple. It is free. The learning curve is extremely fucking low. One that has kind of risen up and became pretty popular internally for us, CapCut. Now, most people just know CapCut as like the TikTok video editing software, but they now have a desktop editing software and it's really good. It is like a hybrid between a high learning curve type of editing software, almost like a Premiere Pro-ish and iMovie. It's almost like if iMovie made a fucking update. They need one update, they'd be a much better editing software, but they've never made an update, I don't think, on iMovie. It's like if iMovie made an update to make the product a little bit better, it would be CapCut and CapCut's free. You can do a premium version of it. I think it's like $90 for the entire year. I don't think the premium version does a ton for you. It has like a tool where it'll edit out the uh, filler words and gaps and stuff within the editing, which might be super useful to you. You'll have to figure that out. Either of those will work. If you're in it for the long haul, or if you want to get better at editing, like you have a vision in your head of like the way that you want your videos to be and you're okay investing your time into it, it might be worthwhile Downloading Premiere Pro, which you have to pay for with an Adobe membership if you're a student, which I feel like maybe based on the question that you asked or the way you asked it kind of feels like you might be a student, you'll get a cheaper version of the uh, Adobe software subscription. But at the end of the day, whichever one you use, you'll end up learning it really quickly after editing like three or four videos, because you learn the shortcut keys on each particular software. And then it makes the process really easy, like anything, like the first time you're going to be a mess. But like the second, third, fourth time you do the whatever thing you're doing, you end up getting exponentially better at it within those like first three to four. And then you start to just improve incrementally by like learning new skills within that kind of thing. A couple other just softwares that we use internally that are paid programs that might help you out we use something called time bolt which you just upload your video into time bolt and then it takes out the gaps of silences so if you're someone who it's hard for you to get on camera and like rip for a while and you pause in between what you're saying or something like that and you you know talk for 10 seconds pause for 10 seconds talk for 10 seconds time bolt will automatically identify those gaps in there and it will delete them out and then poof it'll shoot you out a video with no gaps in it and it will look like you just did the whole thing in one rip so time cool autopod is another cool one if you are doing multi-person multi-camera type videos. so we use it on the fantasy channel pretty often i think we use it on the TikToks often as well where it will automatically switch between the speakers in the camera editing software so autopod is pretty neat as well another question from stoke this man's out here working this man is out here dropping cues If you're mad that I keep answering his, he's the one fucking asking, man. What you want me to do? He said, uh, what was the hardest point in your early career, fresh after betting it all on yourself and your brand? Were there points where you're at your lowest and worried it just won't work? And how did you overcome that? What was the big break you had that eased those worries? Okay, this might might sound weird. I don't know if I've answered this question before, but I I know I've thought this so many times and I've said it out loud before, but maybe this is the first time that I've said it to you guys. There's never a point where I felt like I bet on myself. There was never a point where I was like, I'm going all in on myself. Like This is the moment I'm doing it kind of thing. And maybe I did, I don't know. But that is 100% the way that I believe it because I made content for years. I made content for years, building up an audience, building up momentum, building up a path to finances, like building up a way to make money through that content before I took that bet, right? It was already working before I decided to leave my job and make this a full-time endeavor. I always say that we're a brand, we're not a company. Like I even, I I genuinely feel uncomfortable like saying I run a company. It, It makes me feel super fucking weird, to be honest with you. And I might've said at the beginning of this video, even that felt uncomfortable. I don't look at us as a company because if I had to boil it down to one like statement, it's that brand is built and companies are made. A brand is built over years where a company can kind of just be started and launched next week. They're two very different things in my eyes. A brand is a story. A brand is a person or a group of people continuously showing up to tell that story. And you simply just cannot rush brand. You can't force it. When companies wanna start making content, it makes me cringe because I know they're not gonna have the patience to buy into it and, and, and build it up over the long term. So I answered this in the Discord and then you followed up and you said, okay, Okay, six, so you did it in a safer, more secure way, grinding for years to get to where you are rather than taking a leap when you aren't ready. I hear a lot of horror stories of people getting ahead of themselves in the world of content. So they drop everything and blame it on, betting it all on themselves. Thanks, King. 100%, like I would never, ever, 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 ever tell someone to leave their job, to drop what they're doing if they don't have a ton of momentum already going. Me saying don't drop everything to focus on the content thing is not an excuse for people to work less hard or move slowly because of that, okay? I say this often, you've gotta work full-time at this job, at the job you want, in order for it to become your full-time job. I was working the hours of a full-time content creator while I was at a full-time job in the marketing world. It doesn't just simply come to you. You have to treat it as if you're already there, as if it's already came to you, but it hasn't. You have to make it come to you. And you can leave what you're doing and go after it, but for the most part is not great. I don't think, I think it forces you into making decisions that are not good for your long-term. It is extremely risky. It makes you prioritize trying to make money where I think the most successful creators, the ones that stay on for the longest time, the ones that have real longevity to them, almost never ever start because of the money. Money is a side effect of the passion that they have for the content that they're making. But when you leave your job that makes you money and you don't have savings or you don't have any sort of momentum or path, to financial freedom, then it forces you to start making choices based on money rather than based on value and giving back to your audience. The normal path is to invest time until you start making money and then you take that money and invest that back into saving time, which is other people doing that job for you that you don't want, which goes back to kind of the first question that was asked on this Q&A. It was kind of a wild cycle, I suppose. We're like 30 minutes in already, so I'm probably going to cut it here. I try to keep the Q&As a little bit shorter like this, just like bite size, go in on in-depth on like three or four questions. I could go a little bit longer. Like I think I have like three or four more questions lined up that I could get after. Do you guys want the Q&As to be longer? Would you rather me do like fucking five to ten questions? They're hour-long kind of things, or do you like the shorter bits of it? Let me know. Comment down below. Do all the things down below that you youtube hoes supposed to do there's a button that looks like this i would love you if you clicked it there's a button that says subscribe i would love if you put the d in it pause and i would love if you joined our discord where you could drop your questions there uh might be back with jack next week he is traveling for the next like three weeks so we might do a virtual app. Ep- i don't love virtual episodes and i like doing this q a so i might stick to this you guys let me know what you want i love you and hate you at the same damn time